Hey guys, this week's podcast brought to you by Kent Cartridge and Fast Steel 2.0. I've been shooting Kent for over God, 15 years when I was in college. I had to wait tables and bartend just to be able to afford shotgun shells to go duck hunting. Nothing's changed in that time frame. Kent killed ducks then, and it kills ducks now. That's why I still shoot it. Fast Steel 2.0 is just the evolution of Kent's reliable, effective, and industry-leading steel shot technology. You can find it at your local dealer or uh, head over to KentCartridge.com to check out their entire lineup of shot shells. I got sideways with some cowboy, short riding Casper. He was strong, he was stout, there ain't no doubt, but I was faster. Yeah, I've been under the lights on a few Saturday nights. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Cable Smith. Welcoming everybody into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. It's great to be here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks today. Thanks for dropping by. Um, I don't know how your hunting season is going so far. But the sits are adding up for me, chasing big bucks, and it's proven to be pretty frustrating. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know some of y'all are in the same boat, but that's what happens if you, well, I think we all evolve as hunters, right? And that three-and-a-half-year-old buck that you would have shot a decade ago, or maybe 20 years ago, depending on how long you've been doing it. That one gets a pass now, and it has for some time. For me, I just – and my son's sitting there. He's like, Dad, that's a legal buck. Why aren't you shooting it? It just doesn't do anything for me anymore. I'd rather shoot a doe than take a young buck. Um, but it's all relative, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't take a three-and-a-half-year-old deer. It's, it's your own personal goal. If you're hunting on public land, certainly that changes the game, right? Um, I'm sitting here saying – I don't have any interest in shooting an immature buck. You put a five by five elk in front of me with a bow, I'm going to shoot it all day. So it's all relative, but I've passed on so many deer this year and, uh, and had that one interaction where I rattled up the buck I call freaky and the ammo had a misfire. And then I kind of got obsessed with him because of that interaction and that personal, I don't want to say vendetta, but I feel like I, yeah, it's a vendetta. There's a score to settle there with Freaky. Uh, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a great season. I've seen more rutting activity than I ever have. And I, oh, the whole time I'm out deer hunting, I'm feeling bad because Belle's dying of cancer and I want to take her duck hunting. But we don't have any damn ducks. I went out Saturday with three friends last week and never fired a shot. It was pretty foggy. But uh, I'm hoping... This cold front we had last week brought some birds down because, man, we can't have another season like we did last year. Uh, that is for sure. But I uh, hope that you guys have been able to uh, put your tag on your hit list buck or you've gotten out with your friends or family over the holidays and stacked up a pile of green heads or ring necks. You know, I'm not too proud. <laughs> My brother and I have one pond on public land that we go to. Guarantee ring neck smackdown if we have birds in the area 
So who knows? We might be uh, – it's desperate times. You might see a pile of ringnecks on social media next week. <laughs> uh, anyway, what's going on here on the Lone Star Outdoors show this week? Well, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the one he passed down years ago. Mine certainly picked up more mud this past weekend. It was a muddy, boggy, duckless snafu. But I will tell you this, silver lining. Not only was I out with great friends, Bell had been acting so lethargic last week. A couple days she didn't want to eat at all. Had to give her just straight wet food. And that just getting out there, even though there weren't any ducks, rejuvenated her for like three days. Wagging her tail, running around, just like her old self. So uh, that that brought me a lot of joy, no doubt. Uh, so anyway, hopefully you've got that cup of coffee poured by now. Here's what we're doing today. Our friend Dan Staten of Elk Shape will be here. He is a renowned backcountry hunter, archer, and generally just a purveyor of positive energy. I like surrounding myself with people that exhibit positive energy. It's contagious. Dan certainly fits that bill, and the Washington native and myself had the opportunity to uh, share a whitetail camp about a month ago down in South Texas. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that hunt. What's it like for a Western hunter to come to Texas and hunt a high fence? It's not something I, I think Dan ever envisioned himself doing, but what was that experience like for him? Positive, negative, indifferent? Uh, we'll get his take on that. Then, of course, we will talk some backcountry hunting. He just returned from an Arizona archery elk hunt. Did he find success? How was that hunt, by the way? Late season archery. And how long does it take to get that tag? We all know that an Arizona tag is like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. If you if you draw it, it's going to take you 20-something years. What about the late season tag? To have an, a, an opportunity at the same caliber bull. Uh, Dan will shed some light on that. We'll talk about the elk shape camp that is coming to Texas. And is elk shape more than a camp? Is it a mantra? I think it is a mantra that, that Dan lives his life by. And he'll explain what that means here during our conversation. But uh, yeah, certainly looking forward to visiting with Dan today. I think you guys are going to find him fascinating. Some of you may already listen to his podcast. So if you do, great. If not, here's an introduction to someone that I think you guys are going to find very interesting. So that's what we're doing today. Um, let's knock out a quick giveaway. Speaking of NUMA, I've got a NUMA cap, t-shirt, and bino harness. It's like a $150 value. The bino harness is like $100. Uh, but yeah, we'll give away the cap, t-shirt, bino harness to today's winner. Just email the word NUMA, that's NUMA, P-N-U-M-A, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and you're entered into today's giveaway. Well, we'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. From out of nowhere, Felina has found me, kissing my cheek as she kneels by my side. Hey, hey, everybody, Cable here for go wild if you're like me trust me these clowns have been censoring me for a long time but if you're like me and you can't seem to make 
heads nor tails of what the hell's going on on traditional social media platforms like, you know, the one that Zuckerberg owns, well, let me tell you about Go Wild. It's a place where like-minded folks are sharing ideas, hunting tips, fishing tips, recipes, all that great outdoor content that you and I both love. You can find it on Go Wild. And here's an even better thing that they're doing right now. They've got an online store. And if you sign up, that's right, it's it's a free account. That's, that's all you have to do is just go to a download Go Wild. You sign up, create your account there. You'll get a free $10 gift card to spend on Go Wild's outdoor gear store. Brands like Garmin, Vortex, Irish Setter Boots, Treason, North Mountain Gear, and many, many others. They're all right there in the Go Wild store, and you can use that $10 credit on anything you want. It's that easy. Sign up at DownloadGoWild.com. Take advantage of your $10 reward gift card. And uh, and you and you build points, too. Um, that's another thing. It's a, a rewards program. So the more you spend, the more points you get. You can find it all at DownloadGoWild.com. And I'll see you over there. Cable here. And if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisespecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. It was dark as the day if it was just about three When the warden with his key came to set me free they gave me five dollars and a second-hand suit, a pistol and a hat and a worn-out blue. So I took the bus down to the Rio Grande, and I shot a man down on the edge of town. Then I stole me a horse and I rode it around, till the sheriff pulled me in and he set me down. He said, you make no mistake, I know just what it takes to pull Black River Killer, the name of that one from Blitz and Trapper, bringing us back. On SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms, Cable Smith here with you as always. Uh, we're about to visit with my buddy Dan Staten of Elk Shape. But first, this segment brought to you by the Mossberg Patriot. If you're looking for an affordable rifle that's going to give you the performance that you'd come to expect from a high-end rifle, well, look no further than the Patriot. Accuracy, reliability, durability. That's what this rifle is all about. It's the Patriot. You can get it in every caliber from 22 to 50 on up to a 375 Ruger. Everything in between. You can find it at Mossberg.com. And with that being said, uh, let's bring on a man who traded in his rifle for a bow and arrow a long time ago. Never looked back either. It is my pleasure to welcome Elk Shapes Dan Staten to the show. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure, buddy. My pleasure. It was nice to finally get to meet you. Um, God, where where were we? We were in like, I think Medina County. What city were we closest to? I don't even remember. You're asking me. We're in <laughs> South Texas. Yeah. Uh, Austin ish. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I gotta think of it now. Uh, well, we'll have to come back to that. But we met up the uh, the Numa guys at uh, was it Cinco Cuernos? See, beautiful place man and you're from washington state real you know probably just a diehard 
Western hunter. I mean, that's, that's what you do your forte. So I'm sure that was very different coming to a, a certainly a high fence ranch in Texas. Yeah, dude. I, the invitation was, Hey Dan, come meet with the recon team. Mm-hmm. You'll get to meet cable. You get to meet, um, Justin, Chad, Chad Alan Jones, um, possibly Amy will the whole squad. And I'm like, okay. And you might be able to shoot an axis deer, which has been on my radar for so long. I've tried to hunt them in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Didn't get one. And you might be able to shoot a couple white tailed does. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Then I'm going to bring some broadheads that I haven't shot animals with before test those out. Um, I didn't know I was going to get a chance to hunt high fence, white tail bucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> until we kind of got down there and things shook out and, uh, man, was it a cultural shock for me? Uh, Texas deer hunting. I, when I think of Texas from now on, I'm going to think of white tail deer hunting and then everything else under that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that place, well, I mean, we were spoiled, right? I mean, that's not how I, I had an opportunity at a buck and, on that place in two days i've been hunting the same damn deer on my deer lease which is like 700 acres free range all season without any luck so i mean that that place was uh they had a bunch of big deer and um yeah what was that something that you struggled with from like an ethical standpoint or from like being transparent about like i you're you're a stand-up guy i don't think there was any doubt in your mind you're like if i'm doing it i'm gonna be transparent about it but did did that was that was that an internal struggle for you not at all so uh i'm i'm going to kill something that's cool with me i'm going to eat it case closed uh am i going to pose with a giant 181 inch buck which is what i shot and make it look like it was some public land you know deal where i tried real hard and scouted and put no No, I don't fake stuff, but, uh, it was different though. Cable in the sense that we, it wasn't a tiny little ranch with a really high fence with deer that are like named or tags in their ear and they come up and eat corn out of your hand. We were hunting from day one. Like we drove the property on a, um, like a little razor or a little side-by-side every deer ran away from us and just, immediately I knew, okay, these deer don't want to die. And it was a pretty big ranch. Uh, and it was so fascinating to me to learn the management. Like this ranch is working with Texas parks and wildlife. There is X amount of does that need to be killed this year. X amount of bucks. Uh, you like, have to, it was like 80 or a hundred does. I mean, the place it was, was 150. Thousands. It was 150. 150. Yeah. It was thousands of acres we're talking about. So yeah. that's like, and the season starts when it starts. So you have the guy said yeah, they, they got to average seven white tail does a day. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is, re- I don't know. So deer density wise, my mind was blown. And then we were only allowed to shoot certain bucks, like bucks that um, management bucks, coal buck, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Deer that we're, we're like after five and a half maturity. years old or older. Yeah. Deer that weren't going to be. 200 inches when mm-hmm. when it was all said and done so for me i like shooting stuff i like shooting stuff that i'm going to eat um just don't 
try to make it look like it's what it's not. Um, Would I go back? Absolutely. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I was wondering like, because you and I had plans of recording a podcast while we were in camp and then my wife ended up having to go to the hospital. So I had to bail early uh, unexpectedly. And and so that, that didn't happen while we were in camp. So I wanted to get your take on all of these things. Um, having, you know, I've hunted high fences quite a bit. Um, I could pan around this office and show you some of the axis deer and oryx and God knows what other critters, you know, Texas is a a very target rich environment. And every one of those experiences has been unique in its own right and, and fun, but I wouldn't say that the trophies earned, um, Oh, you can't compare it to say a free range backcountry hunt or even have put the same value on it that, um, you know, if I worked my ass off all season and finally do get this deer, that one's going to be just a little bit more for me, like personally, yeah, I earned that one a little bit, you know, it was a little harder, had to invest more time and energy. And, and I'm not saying, like you said, these animals don't want to die. Hell, uh, it took me five trips to get my first access on this one place. And it was only 700 acres, you know, I mean, the animals are smart. And they figure out what an ATV sounds like, and they figure out where hunters are more likely to be. Um, so yeah, far from tame. This isn't. Uh, I think people have a misconception. It's just like a pen. It's two hundred acres. We we put the deer in there before people show up. And that's not really the reality. Well, I'm sure that exists, but that's not what we experienced. And I was really challenged on this hunt to really be able to judge deer better with look truly looking at their characteristics and their body and trying to decipher between a four and a half year old to a six and a half year old plus deer. Um, you just don't want to shoot the wrong deer when, like I said, actually you said it, we, we were spoiled. We were on one of the most well-managed ranches probably out there with an incredible program of deer feed genetics like management, like literally, and you don't want to be some guy from Washington who shows up and shoots the wrong deer or wounds a deer, or, I mean, there, there was a lot of pressure there for me that I felt, um, because I just didn't want to screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly felt a little bit of pressure, but I was sitting there and this is, you know, it's kind of an excuse, but my head was not in the game. I missed one that was probably, I don't know. It was probably close to the size of yours. I mean, it was giant. Uh, twelve. I think it was a twelve point. And um, I'm literally getting the text from my mother-in-law. I was like, uh, you know, I'm having to take Aaron to the hospital. They're, you know, um, they're having to do an EKG on her heart and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, what? What happened? She started like vomiting at work and um, fell and hit her head. When she, once she got home, she passed out and hit her head on the bathroom tile. And they were like, well, her heart's something's wrong with her heartbeat. So anyway. I probably should have just said, Hey, I'm done hunting. But also I was, I was also like, well, I'm six hours away. I'm sitting in a deer blind. I, I can't get there now. Uh, best opportunity is going to be just fly out in the morning. So I've shot, dude, it was like not even a far shot and just shot right under this damn deer. And I was just like, eh, really wasn't focused on the dialed in on, I mean, bow hunting is such a, a mental game. And if you're not in it mentally, like what do you, I, I shouldn't even been out there. I felt like, but Man, I was also disappointed that I missed that deer. Uh, Look, man, like bow hunting is like a hundred percent, maybe even all hunting, but to hunt your best, 
everything's got to be dialed at home. And in your extreme situation, your wife's in the healthcare industry. Uh, she's a health professional and she's got getting an EKG. Any right. schmuck off the street's going to know EKG. She's oh, yeah. young. What, what, like who in their right mind would be able to hunt? Well, now paralleling that and the stuff that we talk about elk shape cancer is like, you can't go on an awesome 10 day elk bender and you just walk away from your family, your responsibilities at work um, without really prior to that communicating, making sure that, I don't know, in my experience, you can't, if you don't have a happy home, you're not going to be able to hunt your best. You will be distracted. And I even say things like if you have skeletons in your closet that you haven't dealt with uh, and you're going to go hunt solo elk hunting, uh, that stuff's going to come up. So I think it's important or a segue to be like, dude, to hunt your best, things need to be dialed outside of hunting or you can be distracted. Now, in this case, out of your control, but who in their right mind would be able to like stay focused with EKG? That is a yeah. big deal. Thankfully, it was food poisoning that just made her severely dehydrated. They kept her overnight. I got there the next day and um, God is good. Everything was cool. But yeah, when you start talking about heart issues, you're like, in my, you know, uh, I don't want to talk about vaccines, but that was the myocarditis and all that stuff was coming to my mind. I was like, oh. and she's vaccinated and I'm not. So I was just like, oh. yeah, I don't know. But um, so anyway, that, that trip was abbreviated and I loved getting the text though, that you, you got the, the giant, the movie grande, um, <laughs> the, only, the only one in camp that found success. So way to come down from washington and show us texas guys how to do it dude that deer was a pain in the butt had probably one two three three really good encounters with him and stuff like stuff that i would never imagine like the first one was didn't know if i could shoot him or not honestly right. and by the time i got um, a green light via communication with the ranch manager opportunity gone and then mm. the second encounter was a short brief one but ethically i couldn't shoot him because my arrow would go through him and hit another deer he always had some deer right behind him doe or buck yeah and that was hard to just sit and eat that that opportunity and then the last opportunity was one i made good on he actually he knew something was up and he he just came in for a second and by the time i got my bow ready he was like i'm out of here and Luckily he turned and stopped for just a second. I was already at full draw and let her eat, but man, mm. like, yeah, he had, you know, all deer hunting's hard. It's just, uh, you know, things have to pretty much line up for you to, to make it happen and to get that opportunity. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah. All deer hunting is hard. All deer hunting with a bow is exponentially harder uh, for sure. Trying to get within 40 yards is Oh, of a wary whitetail is, is not an easy thing to do. Well, let's do this. I think this is a great place to take a quick break. We'll come back, get to know what makes you tick, and talk a little bit about elk shape. That segment brought to you by Safari Club International. SCI is the worldwide leader in big game conservation. They're celebrating 50 years of promoting conservation and protecting your rights as a hunter, and they're doing it in grand fashion with their biggest, baddest convention yet taking place at Mandalay Bay, January 19th through the 22nd. I'll be there. Hope to see you as well. Tucker Carlson, uh, Trump Jr., 
Jim Shockey, Craig Morgan, Larry the Cable Guy. Long list of entertainers and outdoor celebrities, as well as your favorite exhibitors, uh, outfitters from all over the globe. They'll be there as well. For more info, head over to safariclub.org. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Trying to fit a square block in a round hole. Heart of darkness facing a thousand bloodshot eyes. We'll know when we get there. Hey guys, Cable Smith here for Stealth Cam. You know that I've been with Stealth Cam for a long time, and there's a reason for that. The cameras are reliable, and they offer the best photo quality in the industry. Check out the Reactor or the Fusion. Those are the latest and greatest wireless cell cameras from Stealth Cam. Sending images to the Stealth Cam app right there on your phone. It's like Christmas every day. Instant updates. Check those cameras. Get those bucks pattern. Or know when you need to be at a certain stand because the hogs are coming in. Like clockwork. Whatever the case, check it out. You can find the entire lineup of Stealth Cameras cameras. <laughs> that sounds funny. You can find the ent- <laughs> you can find the entire lineup at stealthcam.com. Cable here for Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Few things are more enjoyable than to watch the kids put out the Big and J BB squared and then start beating dad up to look at his cell phone. Why? Because they want to see what bucks are coming to eat the Big and J. You can find their entire lineup of Whitetail Attractants at BigandJ.com. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser-cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit TacticalSkeleton.com today. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season fishing supplies they've got foods like anchor tea grass-fed beef dublin sodas gourmet sauces and a whole lot more also ace hardware from wall to wall they have it all check it out the mills county general store right there in goldweight texas put you right back on your feet so you can take advantage of me tell me how's it feel sitting up there feeling so high but too far away to hold me Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. That's Mark Jones and the 20 paces covering the uh, Halsey Jam without you. I have to admit, Halsey, much better looking than Mark. But uh, Mark's a good dude. I had the pleasure of hunting with his twin brother, Matt, at the uh, El Cazador Tecamate Ranch down in South Texas last year. Good dude. And uh, we'll have to get his brother 
here in studio sometime in the near future. They, check them out on Spotify. Lots of great tunes. Um, all right. This segment of the show brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit and our good friends over at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of me for a long time. They'll do the same for you. Amazing wildlife artistry, fast turnaround time. They answer the phone when you call. Check them out at GR, the number 8 mounts.com. With that being said, let's pick it back up with our good friend, Dan Staten of Elk Shape. Let's talk a little bit about your background, Dan. So you're joining us from Washington State, Spokane, close to uh, Idaho. Is that where you're originally from? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm from uh, eastern Washington, kind of born and raised. Sometimes I feel like I'm an Idaho guy just because that's where I hunt. Um, I have a cabin in Idaho. I spend a lot of time in Idaho, but I live in Washington state, unfortunately. And I say, unfortunately, just because, uh, you know, Eastern Washington is a small part of the state, Western Washington, Seattle, Olympia, that's where all our decisions are made. And the people that live over there that make those decisions, um, we don't necessarily line up when it comes to politics. We have, you know, we have Austin. So uh, I think we all have those places. And I did just see, man, that you guys canceled your spring bear hunt. Uh, It's gone. Yeah. Despite the, uh, you know, it's the same whenever you see these anti-hunting regulations is the wildlife biologists, the the state pays say, hey, we need to do this from a management standpoint. It's a good thing. It's it helps actually manage and sustain the species and its population. Oh, no, no, no. Here come the emotional people. Well, no, we, we can't have people shooting bears. Why would we do that? Well, okay, now you don't have a bear hunt. Yeah, it's gone. And it was um, unfortunate that there was no science involved, like you said. And to be honest with you, we have been doing um, the classic death by a thousand cuts from a razor blade. So, you know, your first cut was, hey, we, we don't need to allow bear baiting. That is totally unethical. Um, why is that unethical? Uh, we could argue, I could talk to you why that's not, uh, it's one of the ways to do it and manage. And it's especially archery. It ends up getting you a really good opportunity with your equipment and to identify the right animal. You don't shoot a sow, a sow with cubs. Don't shoot a small immature boar, shoot an older boar. Bears live a long time. So baiting gets ruled out. Next is dogs. Can't use hounds to bear, you know, to bay bears. Um, and while we're at it, let's, let's go ahead and cut out mountain lion hunting with hounds as well. And you just do that. Then we take away the spring bear hunt over the counter. So we weren't over the counter in Washington. You had to draw, which was actually not very, I haven't never drawn a spring bear tag. Um, and so it's just, and then now that draw opportunity is gone. There is no spring opportunity. So you see how it's building up. You start with the lowest hanging fruit. Uh, let's ba- let's ban baiting. Let's ban trail cameras. Let's ban, you know, you just kind of start with small things, but you're getting them banned and you work your way up. Uh, we need to, we as hunters need to check ourselves. We need to like, just because you guys down there hunt high fence and maybe I don't think it's cool. I'm just, this is an example. Right. I'm not going to promote banning 
high fence hunting because people are buying hunting licenses and tags and ammo and arrows and both like you guys are still we're on the same team and so maybe i don't agree with your philosophy or whatever but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna abandon ship so like trail cams just got banned in arizona it starts 2022 yeah and yeah man i think it's stupid when you have 50 trail cameras over a tiny water hole in the desert and 50 people going in and going out would i vote to get trail cameras banned out of principle i'd have to, i don't know man i just don't know because if we start there then what do we ban next right right it's a slippery um, slope it is slippery and so it's just tough uh, but yeah, we, we lost our bear season because it was a disagreement politically. And so they're like, fine, we just, our, the way it's written is we don't agree. There's no season and cable. We have more bears in Washington than people can shake a stick at. Seriously. Yeah. You that can kill, question. Yeah. you can kill two bears on the East side of the States and the cascades over to my side, starting August 1st. In most units, you can kill two bears and then you can also kill I think another bear, at least one more, maybe even two more on the other side of the Cascades. Uh, that's a lot of bear and a lot of bears in the fall. And yeah. what they're understanding is that the bears compete for the proper calf and fawn recruitments because bears are omnivores. Bears can eat a fawn or an elk calf or a moose calf in seconds. Mm-hmm. And they're already in the same area in the spring because bears like grass to get the gi track running and moms dump their babies where there's good grass it's an intersection it's happenstance and bears can i don't know i've seen studies where bears literally can eat several calves fawns in a day and that's just a a normal day's worth of work yeah and wouldn't you like veal and they can eat them so fast man my buddy uh, got his master's in wildlife management from Texas Tech in Weston, the Texas Panhandle. And he did, for, for one of his um, research projects, he helped New Mexico um, fishing game track or collar black bears. And they would find the kill sites through the tracking collars. Dude, most of the kill sites were mule deer fawns. And it was like two or three a week that they were killing. And you could find out which bears were better at it than others, but they all killed them. And you talk about uh, why it's necessary from that perspective. What what does a black bear tag cost? Uh, most states, I would say, under two hundred dollars. What does a mule deer tag cost? Most states, probably six seven hundred dollars for for a non resident. Like residents, I, I don't know. You can get it very stuff's a lot cheaper. But for me, coming from Texas to go hunt those places, and I've killed black bear in New Mexico. I think it was like 200 bucks, maybe. So there's a lot more deer and elk hunters also than there are black bear hunters. That's a lot of money that is being lost when you talk about uh, entire recruitment classes being, not not being wiped out, but you're talking about a healthy portion of it being consumed by black bear. And then if you just let these bears go unchecked, you can't have the harvest, you know, going back to the science like you alluded to, you can't have the harvest of X animal and then just pretend that the predator that eats it, you know, was just left unchecked. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, bears, if you were to say, Hey Dan, but put your money on which animal is going to live longer, uh, a New Mexico black bear in the Gila 
or a New Mexico mule deer buck in the Gila, my money's on the bear. The bears just live longer, like mm -hmm. way longer. Uh, some of the bears I've killed in Idaho. So we age, you can send their tooth. You actually have to take the tooth when you check the bear. Mm -hmm. They want to know how old the bear is and you can look it up. I got that's one bear that's, in most states too. It's pretty standard. I got one bear at 28 years old. Goodness gracious. 28. Whole, what? Yeah. Um, several of the bears have killed are, you know, close to 20 years old. I've never heard of a mule deer living past 11 years old, really. And that's ancient. Um, and that's the exception. So yeah. bears live a long time. Sows come into heat almost every other year. Uh, and they have, they have twins. It's, they just live longer on the landscape. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really interesting. I personally have come across double digit elk calves that have been just devoured because I, I spring bear hunt a lot, like probably average four or five weeks of spring bear hunting a year in Idaho. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I've been doing that since 2007 or eight. I got a lot of time logged and I cannot tell you how many calves that I've been like, dang it, there's another one I didn't save. Um, and so, yeah, if you're looking at balancing the equation and going against the argument of, well, if y'all didn't hunt, nature would balance itself. That would be true if there wasn't urban sprawl and right. people and our population growing and growing and growing. You can't make more land. So what we do have left as stewards of the land and wildlife and being the thinking human homo, homo sapien that we are, we like, yeah, we have to step in there and and also when you put a value on something you'll have it so um, yeah. there's a lot of value in bear hunting you don't take that away from us that's good money towards the states to help keep and sustain you this is stuff you you already know yeah. your and it transcends states and, and countries like and it's especially true in africa if, if you know if it pays it stays it's that simple okay well, I don't like the fact that you're putting a monetary value on an animal, Dan. That doesn't sound right to me, you know? Okay, well, do you want more animals or less animals? There's your answer. If you want more, then you have to have a value on it. Um, but yeah, um, Idaho has a different, a completely different mindset. And I've talked to some Idaho, uh, is it it's Idaho Fishing Game, I believe. Um, and I've talked to some of their um, professionals off the record and they were like you can say it but we just don't want our names associated with it but they shoot wolves out of helicopters like they do oh yeah why would they god do <laughs> yeah but see so you don't hear about it because it's like they don't want the the pro wolf people like making headlines with it and running with it and being like idaho just ruthlessly killing wolves out of helicopters well that's what they do and they do it for a reason because they're into they're in the business of wildlife management they understand how much money those elk tags bring to the table when it comes to conservation dollars. Wolves are cool. Like nobody wants wolves. I certainly don't want wolves wiped out again. We did it once. It was probably a mistake, but I think there's a population goal that you have to adhere to. Like, okay, what is, what do biologists say? How many, how many wolves is enough? Once we reach that to me, it's open season, kill them all until you get relatively close to your goal. And then the season, you know, we close the season. It's real simple stuff. But and it's no not diff when we shake hands, and I'm not saying me, but like the handshake agreement happened where okay, the state's gonna manage the wildlife. The wildlife belongs to the state. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
federal government says we we need x amount of breeding pairs in the state of idaho and idaho's all like okay uh copy that and then it's something like 200 ish i don't even remember how many it's 150 with 10 breeding pairs okay so there it is and then we're at 1500 plus in right. idaho you can't do helicopter counts especially in northern idaho especially in the frank church like we got a lot of timbered country um so this is like airing on the side of okay we at least have 1500 but it could be 3000 right um okay why are you guys upset when i'm talking about like as far as people that are pro wolf why are you upset that we are doing a bang up job exceeding the number that we said was the minimum exceeding it by 10 times if not 20 times that number and you're still upset and what is the cost of doing that business well wolf's got to eat and they only know to eat 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 kill 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 that's just what wolves are cool that way but right. to me they're just a dog and i i've had so many encounters with them in real life including my daughter who was four when she saw her first wolf at 40 yards in the wild it's mm. it's a dog and this dog is cool, but we have to closely manage it. And it's very difficult to manage wolves, to be honest oh with you. Oh my God, they're smart. Yeah. They're amazing. And uh, they have large appetites and very People proficient. People realize how, how, uh, how much energy that tank has on a wolf in the pursuit. Like, it's not like a, a mountain lion will give up pretty quickly if it doesn't succeed. No, a wolf just keeps going and going and going. And if it tires, the next one in the pack tag the front. Yeah. And then that one drops back, kind of refuels its tank and they keep going and going and they don't just kill the sick and the old and the, and the young. It's like, there's something that's breathing. That's a pile of meat. I don't care if it has horns or not. They don't discriminate. If they think they can kill it, they're going to try to do it. You know, they don't also bite the neck like a mountain lion and it's over in 30 seconds. Mm. It's, it is truly a death of a thousand cuts where you are going to basically be alive on your feet, but you're kind of dead and you're being consumed alive. Uh, it is, just, you know, mother nature, it's very real. Yeah. Uh, mother nature has her own algorithm and it's one that we, we as humans identify as cruel. Mother nature is cruel. Mother nature is mother nature. And uh, we're the ones with emotions. This is just an animal trying to get energy. So yeah. it can have life. And uh, I think wolves are a very touchy situation. Do I want them off the landscape? Absolutely not. Um, do I want them closely managed? Absolutely, yes, but I don't think you can. Yeah. You can try. And that's why Fishing Game has the resort to helicopter flying over with ARs because that's just one yeah. small step to try to keep the number under 3000 or yeah. whatever it is. Have you heard it? This, this was something funny I saw on social media recently, and it just shows you the mind effing that's going on amongst our, our youth. And it was this group, they call themselves dogs for wolves. And they go and they stand around with signs and they take their four legged dog out there and protest that their dog is for the wolves. Cause it's like, you know, they're so green and so yuppie that they're just like, our dogs are pro wolf. Those wolves would eat your dog in two seconds and not think twice about it. That's the irony to me. It's like I'm looking at little Fido there. And the Fido loves wolves. Fido 
literally would have his face eaten off in a matter of seconds. And you see it with hound hunters who lose their dogs to wolves frequently. Wolves don't care, dude. It's so yeah. it's so funny to me. These people are like, oh, they think wolves are these docile, uh, sweet creatures. They'll literally tear your throat out if they can. Yeah, hard. I personally know several hound hunters who won't even run their dogs in Idaho in certain areas, like won't even let them loose on a track because it's just a death sentence and it's a horrible death. Um, I, I have a cabin in Idaho. Like I said, we have had a family dog forever. And initially before I ever saw my first wolf, I didn't see my first wolf in Idaho till I think 2010 and I did film it and it was a pack of 13. Mm -hmm. Um, after that, I never let my dog go with me to go check trail cameras or to go pick huckleberries or to do anything cool that we would normally bring the dog because I straight up didn't want to bring my dog's head and spinal cord back home to bury it mm. because a wolf saw it because they will yeah. kill any dog on their territory. They're just being a wolf. Yeah, that's just what wolves do. It's cruel. Uh, but like you alluded to earlier, it's Mother Nature. And uh, she doesn't give a crap about emotions. That segment of the show was brought to you by All Season Smokers. I just got the pellet grill, threw on a pork tenderloin from some hogs that we trapped last week. First wrapped it in bacon, put it on there for an hour, 260 degrees. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely perfect. You just set it and you walk away. Put some cream cheese or jalapeno in there if you want to stuff that pork tenderloin first. Oof, tough to beat. You can find All Seasons' entire lineup of backyard barbecue pits, smokers, and grills right there at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back with more from our buddy Dan Staten of Elk Shape on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. I am a poor boy to call up a bum Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. Hey, guys. Cable here. And if there's one service, one company that I rely on heavily when planning my next backcountry hunt, it's Onyx Hunt. They have, for a long time, set the gold standard when it comes to giving me the information I need to basically predict where I'm going to find animals. And if you can hone in on where the animals are going to be, you're going to be more successful. Onyx uses their own topo maps, plus, I mean, geographical features like watering holes or a meadow system that works its way down a mountainside where you know those elk are going to be feeding and muleys in the morning and evenings. Yeah, it'll show you that as well. Uh, plus, of course, 
private property boundaries. Where does the National Forest end? Where does Rancher Joe's property start? Yeah, it's going to show you that as well. So whether you're planning a backcountry hunt or just picking ambush points to hang your tree stands on your whitetail property, Onyx shows it all to you. They've got different layers you can apply to a, a specific grid or a piece of property. It's really rad. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% when you order your Onyx subscription by using my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at onxmaps.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. Call me up, darling. I'll be there in a hurry. Ain't got to worry, child. Not Call me up, darling. I'll be there in a hurry. Ain't got to worry, child. Not long. Little Charlie Crockett bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Ain't got to worry, child. Uh, thanks to Mossberg Firearms, as always, and uh, thanks to our guest today, Dan Staten of Elk Shape, who is still here with us. We'll get back into that discussion momentarily. First, however, this segment brought to you by NUMA, geared for the outdoors. Check out the Alpha Vertex jacket and pant if you haven't already. It's perfect for this time of year, late season whitetails in the south, so especially Texas. Uh, this is what Dan and I were wearing on that recent whitetail hunt in South Texas. You can check out the Alpha Vertex and NUMA's entire lineup right there at NUMAoutdoors.com. And, and you'll save 20% when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. Well, let's go ahead and dive back into our conversation with our good friend Dan Staten, creator and owner of Elk Shape. Going back to your background... When did you first start archery hunting? Uh, 2001 mm-hmm. is when I shot an elk with a rifle, first elk. Did some research, found out you could hunt them when they're bugling, but you had to do it archery. So I said, okay, and went down to an archery shop and just bought a bow and uh, hooked ever since. So I think this was my 20th year of bow hunting. Okay. So you've got... I think I'm about 12, 13 years into it, but I'm not as hardcore as you. I, uh, I fancy myself as just an equal opportunity hunter. You tell me the season I'll practice for a month with said weapon that I need and I'll show up and it's probably cost me animals. Like I think, um, I, I wounded an elk in New Mexico this year. He didn't die. I shot him high right above the vitals. I think we ran into him the next day, to be honest with you, it was in the same, same drainage. It was like 300 yards from where, he was, and he had cows both times. We never saw him the second day, and he kind of ghosted us just from. I think he recognized our calling. He was responding, responding, and then he was just shut up and just we never saw him or saw that we knew he was with the cows again. But um, unknown distances is like the biggest thing for me. And I even ranged, and I kind of told you the story in camp. But um, you know, I shot an elk at for uh, forty yards, and he was thirty-two yards away, and it was just like the tree that I ranged. There's the elk. I thought the elk was parallel with the tree but he was actually closer to me 
cost me. I mean, horizontally, the shot was perfect. It was like right there. And then the guy I was with was like, oh, you smoked him. I was like, dude, that is not where I wanted that arrow to be. I was like, I saw him when he run. And and great penetration, three-fourths into him. I was like, I don't know. It's 50-50. So we waited an hour, trailing, trailing blood, little blood here, little blood there. And finally, we spent, you know, two-thirds of the day on that track and finally was like this elk's still alive there's just there's no way that arrow killed him and going back to you know i practiced for a month before you shoot all year you probably that probably is a slam dunk for you and for me it was just like man missed opportunity um but there's nothing that i like more than archery elk hunting it's the thing that like and as a texan you know i don't have the idaho border 15 minutes for me right so i envy you guys yes we have you're around hog hunting. We have a target-rich environment here, and there's always something to be hunting, but we don't have a trailhead basically in our backyard like a lot of the Western guys. So I'm jealous from that aspect. And multiple tags, you know, you just went to uh, you just went to Arizona. You went to New Mexico. I'm sure you hunted in Idaho this year. For me, it's like I get one week a year to do it where I can say, okay, you know, wife, kids, I'm checking out for 10 days with travel and going to do my elk thing. Like if I was to do that three times, I think my wife would be like, mm, see if I'm still here when you're, when you get back, you know, no, that's a real thing. <laughs> oh, she give me an earful. She's very supportive, but yeah, that's a real thing. Honestly, it's, I had set a precedent since I met my would be wife was, mm-hmm. you know, I know the first year that we started dating was August and I rolled right into a September and I hunted probably almost every day. Uh, and at the time I was a videographer for Sportsman's Warehouse. So uh, I believe I filmed probably two or three more hunts that year, including missing Thanksgiving, just behind oh, wow. the camera on hunts and set a real precedent with her that like the fall is I travel. Mm-hmm. I travel a lot for, for work and for myself. And this is what, uh, you know, this is how I've choose to live. This isn't an excuse of, oh, this is my career. No, this is how I choose to live. And um, I think a lot of guys don't set a precedent early on. I think a lot of gentlemen, ladies, whoever don't uh, communicate their intentions way up front. Now, I still get in trouble. And this is going to happen in 2022, Cable. I'm going to draw some tags. I'm going to buy some elk tags. And I'm going to get them way early before September. And I'm going to go upstairs. And I'm going to write it on the calendar. I'm going to block it out. She's going to see that. And she's going to roll her eyes and she's going to be like, really, really? You're going to go like back to back. And then there, I think, don't you know, the kids are going to be starting school then. And then, um, I have a knee surgery scheduled here. Like here's all that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a challenge to be gone, but here's my promise to my wife and to, I think everyone can promise this, that when I come back from that outcome, I'm going to be the better version of Dan. I'm going to get my batteries recharged. I'm going to keep my phone off. I'm going to have some downtime where I'm going to get to like think about the direction I've been leading my life and our family's life. I'm going to do some deep thinking and I'm going to come back with some reformations and some checks. It's just, it's a time to, to press pause on the game and look inward. And my wife has experienced that now for several years to where I come back a better man after September. Um, and, and a little more elk meat in the freezer, but hopefully she can appreciate like that. This is a part of me. This is what he does. And it's part of his balance that as you know, the man I married 
is is going to be the better man when he comes back. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it's 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 real talk. Yeah. Well, it, you you made a good point that you set that precedent before you guys got serious. Like I didn't like I had I was ma- mostly into duck hunting and dove hunting when my wife and I met. So I think I've made I think this was my eighth elk season in a row, mixing a couple backcountry mule deer hunts uh, in there. So. I mean, it's been, it's been something that I've certainly invested time and energy and heart and soul into. Um, but yeah, she was like, wait, you do this elk thing? You did that last year. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm doing it every year now. So that's just a thing. So, so you can plan on being by yourself every September for a little while. And then, and then this year she was like, well, and now Africa's a thing. And then you're gone for 12 days every summer. And it's just like, well, yeah, but it is work. But it is something that, like you said, Nothing recharges my batteries more than that week in September where you're chasing bugles with a bow. And well, sometimes I find success. Sometimes I don't. I am not fallible, man. Like when it comes to like, I have chink in my armor too. Like missing elk because of unknown yardage is a thing. And it's something we could talk about. But like, I have this rule where I usually, I just won't shoot unless I, I have the range but there's examples of where that even that will fail you. Hmm. Um, even someone like me who probably shoots his bow literally every day of the year, um, because I'm so paranoid that if I don't, I'm going to not be, uh, I'm going to squander opportunities that could have, you know, capitalized on. And, and I don't have a lot of other interest cable. Honestly, I don't have that much interest in anything besides faith, family, and elk hunting. Uh, you sprinkle some fitness in there. So yeah, like this year in New Mexico, I thought I ranged the bull at 55 broadside bugling. And I didn't range him. I ranged the tree behind him. I shot him for 55. He was 47. My arrow was just like yours, except for I didn't hit my bull. He, it literally gave him probably a haircut, but it didn't, no blood, didn't, nothing on the arrow, shot right over him. And that was like my one opportunity in nine freaking days. I worked my ass off year round. I drove 24 hours. I slept very little. I covered so much country. I tried so hard and I got that one opportunity on the very last day. And I, I sucked. I failed. (laughs) And you know what? It only makes me hungrier for next year. And I'm thankful for some failure. Keeps your ego deflated. Keeps that humility, keeps the hunger to train, to shoot, to scout, to get tags. And um, yeah, man, I don't have this thing figured out yet. I just know effort and attitude is the only thing I can control on a hunt. And that's what I focus on. Yeah. Yeah. um, I I am investing more time into the, the, the archery thing because last year I took my bow to Africa for the first time. So instead of starting to shoot in August, you're like, Oh, August 1st is here. My bow, you know, it's gotta be dialed in. I got to shoot every day. And I usually am pretty confident going in like 60 yards and in I'm, I'm good. You know, uh, I'm not, I know you can shoot farther than that. I'm not. Um, but I took it, took the boat Africa this year. So I started that process in June. So I was really like put more time into archery this summer than I had previously. And there's times when I break it out in the spring, you know, for, for Turkey or we can hog hunt archery all year long um it's not like i i set the bow down and don't ever look at it again but i certainly am not practicing religiously like like you are it's not part of my 
it's part of like your chi. Like if you don't shoot your bow, I feel like you're, you're like off balance. Right. You are. It's a, yeah. it's a discipline. It's not a sport. Yeah. Archery yeah. is not a sport. Oh, yeah. I would argue it's more of a disciplined way of life and it is my chi. And, and, uh, I am working to like be, become more proficient back with rifles. Um, and my only motivation is to, to basically hunt wolves in the winter. And right. so I just recently got my, you know, gun set up for just wolves. And I don't want to be like pigeonholed as, oh, you're only bow hunt. Um, I like that you're any opportunity, like you're an opportunist, a well-rounded sportsman. And I think that's important, especially because kids, like your kids are getting into hunting. Mine are a few years back behind yours and they're not, it's probably not going to be an archery hunt, their first hunt for elk. You know, right. it's probably going to be a doe with a 243 and a very controlled environment. Um, and so I think it's important for me to like, you know, have some balance in there, but you're right. It's a way of life. And, uh, you know, I would love to hear more about this like Africa getting so many good quality reps in the red zone, uh, because that's a target rich environment. And I'm here to tell you cable when we were in Texas, when I, after I killed that buck, I sat in a blind with Will Cooper and it was doe patrol day. And I was like, so excited <laughs> because it was like, it was guaranteed I was going to get shots and I brought a new broadhead and I knew that I could take my time and I could just, you know, 12 ring does left and right. You know, my heart rate still got really high when it, when I, as soon as I would draw my bow back, Oh yeah. It, you, the, the, the switch, man, it gets flipped and it's like, this, this is life and death for this animal. Let's make a good shot. And even on a doe on a ranch, I still had an elevated heart rate. And I got to shoot, I think two does that day and we'll killed two or three in the three hour sit. It was insane. We, uh, <laughs> I still got a high heart rate. I still yeah. felt pressure and I'm super thankful for those reps in the red zone because they do transfer. Yeah. Uh, a good example of that I experienced this weekend, my son and I went to the deer lease and I, I was like very clear with him. I get to shoot one buck in this County. It, I'm only shooting one of two deer. That's it. You're, we're going to see other mature bucks. I'm not going to shoot them. So don't, I, and I, the first time I ever took him deer hunting, I shot a buck that I knew there were nicer deer out there, but I wanted him to experience seeing what an animal getting shot was like. And I wanted him to be excited about going. I didn't want him on his first uh, trip at, he must've been four years old. I didn't want him to go and sit all weekend and think that nothing happened. So, but, but now I'm like, okay, Henry, I did that for you when you were younger. We're now onto something bigger and better. And we watched a lot of different deer go by. And finally, I was like, okay, bud, uh, you've earned your opportunity. It's the last morning. Here's your 243. We've practiced. You're up. And he missed. Like the first, he, he was two for two on animals, uh, on doe that he had shot with his 22 250 the year before. Well, now we learned about missing. And I asked him, I said, well, what happened? Were you steady? Yeah, dad, but I'll tell you, I was shaking really bad. And I was like, well, were you cold? He says, no, no, I was nervous. He's like, I don't know. This thing in my stomach was going on. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> but your adrenaline was through the roof. And that's just the way that hunting is. And if you ever lose that, then it's probably time to quit hunting. Because it happens to me. You just, just you know, described how it happens to you, even on a doe. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's just part of the deal. And we learned about missing and 
and what those what your body does in that moment of truth, you know. And he, you know, I said, look, you've seen dad miss pigs before. It's no big deal. You'll get him. You'll get the next one. It's a, it's a learning opportunity. You you realize that you're just shaking a little bit. It's all good, man. We'll get him next time. That was awesome, man. I that's some life lessons right there. And I think it hits home that like, man, you can do everything preparation wise for elk hunting, know the best spots, understand the biology, the behavior, have your weapon dialed and doped, but you got to remember, man, it's bow hunting. You stuff's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. Animals want to live. You're going to get excited. You're a human being. Um, I think you're absolutely right, man. If you ever lose that, you hunting's ran its course for you. It's time to move on to. Now you're just killing something else. I'm not sure what. At the end of it, at the at the moment of truth, it's okay. Now I'm just a killer, and I like to fancy myself as a killer. But you know, uh, that 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 adrenaline never goes away for me, regardless of of what it is. Same Um, here, man. Well, let's knock out our last break. We'll come back and get into how our listeners can actively participate in elk shape. And also, uh, if we have time, a little late season Arizona archery elk. That segment was brought to you by Vortex Optics. And let me tell you about the perfect Christmas gift for that hunter in your life. It's the Vortex Venom 5-25 to by 56 rifle scope, 34 millimeter tube, Great for long distance if you're looking to get into that game or low light conditions. Like I said, 34 millimeter tube is still going to emit a lot of light even when the sun is starting to go down. And uh, here's the cool thing. You can find it for about, well, under $600 these days. It's the Venom. It comes with Vortex's lifetime transferable warranty, the best in the business. You can find it at vortexoptics.com. We'll be right back on SDI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Drought like this could drive you from your home, but we're one day closer to rain. One day closer to rain. Hey guys, Cable here, and if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions, I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small-framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA. God bless America. And they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, Look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. 
In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. First, I can't be without her. I hoped I'd never live to see her casket lined with lace. And she deserves to thrive on this earth a little longer. If you need another worker, you can take me in her place. Hey. One of my favorites there from Goodnight, Texas, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you, as always. Thanks for dropping by uh, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by black rifle coffee company america's coffee company veteran owned and operated i think uh what am i having today the coffee af uh you can use your own imagination to determine what that stands for but it is damn good and all of their roasts are great plus they've got really cool swag if you like freedom in the second amendment they've got lots of caps t-shirts stuff like that over on their website black rifle coffee and uh, you'll save 20% off your entire order with my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at BlackRifleCoffee.com. With that being said, let's pick it back up with Dan Staten of Elk Shape. Dan, let's go to the beginning. You mentioned that you were working for Sportsman's Warehouse as a videographer. Um, when, well, first of all, what is Elk Shape and, and when did you start this thing? Oh yeah, that's probably a good place to start. So, well, I heard people mention they need to get into elk shape. And I was like, that makes sense to me. Like there's a certain level of fitness kind of required to, to go to those trailheads that are right by me and go try to match wits with an elk in their backyard on their home turf. Um, probably not gonna do that, uh, without some prior conditioning maybe shoot your bow a month before the season starts and throw a backpack on because you're signing up to, to bow hike with a backpack on mm-hmm. and to do hard work. That's elk hunting is literally you're signing up to do hard work and there may be a payoff or a trade-off at the end where you get an elk on the ground and then you get to really experience what true hard work is grunt right. work, getting meat shuttled off of a mountain to your truck. Like, so if you are under the impression that elk hunting is more like romantic with beautiful sunrises and sunsets and elk screaming <laughs> and stuff like that, and that you're going to pull them to you. No, man. Like you need to listen straight up right now to me. Elk hunting is level 10 hard. It's very emotional. As far as a roller coaster goes, there's a lot of highs, but there's way more lows and you're going to screw it up. You're going to get smelled. You're going to get seen. You're going to get heard. You're going to miss. You're going to wound. Uh, you're going to experience other hunters that aren't cool. Uh, you might run into wolves and you may not even find elk and you may just do a 10 day glorified hiking trip. So by the way, you're probably going to sleep on the ground to eat mountain house. So mm-hmm. if you're not willing to know what you're truly signing up for elk hunting is not for you. I think most people will go elk hunting and understand what I'm saying now and go, okay, yeah, he's right. Like there is a thing called elk shape. In fact, 
I actually got into kind of elk shape on day nine and 10. I wish I was in that good of shape day one. It doesn't take much to get into elk shape, but it also doesn't take much to get out of elk shape. And I think that's where most people fail is this time of year while we're recording December, there's not a lot of daylight hunting seasons in the back in the rearview mirror and life's going to get busy and you're just going to get soft and lazier and older and each year's been, oh yeah parties alcohol stress you name it all of a sudden it's august 2022 and you haven't done shit, mm. and you're out of shape and you're gonna go match wits with this 700 to a thousand pound animal that never got a day off in its life and you're gonna try to to go do that like even on public land that by the way can move up and down a mountainside with the grace and agility that you wouldn't think is possible for an animal that big effortless really yeah limitless truly and so that's when i was like man i love elk hunting i want to create a brand centered around the lifestyle of elk hunting i'm going to call it elk shape because i am a fitness guy like my background is strength and conditioning that's that's what I do. That's what I've done. I don't want y'all to think Dan's a square though. He had some. He had a few beers with us in camp, trying out our our Texas IPAs. But yeah, uh, I'm a sucker for IPAs. Yeah. If you guys didn't know, I like a good. I like a well. <laughs> like there's two beers that I love the most. Cable, cable. It's after cutting an entire load of firewood and getting it loaded in the truck on the tailgate. A nice cold IPA, and then I like it when the last load of an elk is back to the truck at the tailgate. An ice mm. cold IPA. Well deserved. Um, those yeah. are the best beers on the planet. Yeah. But yeah. to your point, yeah, man, I started Elk Shape and I wanted it to be a brand that could offer, sure, some motivation to stay on it year round, but more of like some lifestyle stuff too, like things I talked about early in the podcast, like having your shit dialed at home so you can hunt your best, having your finances dialed so you don't go into debt for elk hunting. I uh, talk about things People like- People really do that? <laughs> <laughs> You should see, I mean, these gear companies, man, they, these guys don't buy tags, they buy gear. Yeah. And I say buy tags, not gear. Um, over time, you can have your gear improved. But like, you know, man, like having a budget for hunting, creating some wealth or a side hustle so you can make some money while you're gone hunting, uh, trying to free up your time. time. I'm a time chaser, not a money chaser. So freeing up your schedule so that you can hunt and do it right and proper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, and then obviously being in shape is super important, being disciplined, mentally tough. So to me, elk hunting is the greatest gift on this planet earth. And, and if you are an elk hunter, please don't squander it, take it by both hands, squeeze it, leverage it to create a better life for you. And that, to me, that's what elk shape is. Mm, okay. And so how do you deliver that to the hunter out there? Is it, like, are you going around the country or do you have online videos? What's your delivery method? seems like this day and age, I'm mainly a content creator, curator, whatever you want to call it, where yeah. we make a couple of YouTube videos a week on everything, elk hunting, 365 archery, tinkering. We make it, we do a podcast like you and talk to awesome people and learn from them and lean on them. And um, I do sell some digital workout programs. And, but then the other thing that I do do is I do live elk shape camps which to be completely straightforward with you, it's uh, from a business standpoint, it doesn't make sense, but it's the, it's the truly the one way I can to serve people. The best is in person, in your face, identifying your areas of weaknesses as it pertains to elk hunting 
and giving you the blueprint to mitigate those weaknesses, whether it's your shooting, shooting under duress, you don't know how to e-scout, you don't know how to use Google Earth or OnX, uh, you don't know how to find elk, you can't make an elk sound to save your life. You don't understand what the elk are even saying or why they're saying it. So uh, your marriage is in jeopardy. So you're not going to be able to hunt your best if you don't focus on your marriage first. Your financial situation is terrible. You have no business buying an out-of-state elk tag. Like whatever it is, I'm a professional sniffer outer. I find (laughs) your weaknesses and I'll give you a blueprint. And so I've been doing elk shape camps. This is year five. We're only doing four this year, but yeah, we're coming to Texas and it's like the, literally the greatest thing I get to do. Well, man, now I'm intimidated to even come. I'm going to get dressed down. He's going to be like, no, you're doing this wrong. No, you, well, I think my finances and marriage are okay. So we'll, we'll be all right there. My wife averages one breakdown a year. It's usually on the heels of Africa in the summer and then an elk hunt in September. And then it's, oh, by the way, uh, in a month and a half, I'm going to Illinois for a muzzleloader hunt, you know, the things stack up and it's, Oh, I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. Mine's in November, November. Yeah. Yeah. After elk season. And then I start picking up into deer Uh that breakdown. And then like, like, dude, this is real talk between two men that like, this is seriously a thing once a year where it's not good. And I'm still trying, like, I don't have it all figured out. She hasn't had it yet this year. So I'm thinking maybe if we get through this year without one, maybe I've like, I figured it out. I've, I've, I've won the race when it comes to that aspect of the marriage. Like maybe she's just beaten down to the point where she's just over it, which maybe isn't a great thing, but, uh, I, I think she's just come to terms with it. And also the kids are a little older. They can wipe their own asses and, you know, (laughs) life is busier because they have extracurricular activities, Yeah, but it's not as like hands-on, like having to micromanage every aspect of their lives. You're hungry. Go get yourself a bowl of cereal, you know, like, you're good. You got this. So, yeah, I do think people get intimidated. Uh, and I don't know why that is. Um, I I would speculate that change is hard and it's like, man, I don't want to put myself out there, but actually you do. Cause if you're like me, you actually do want to get better. Like Mm -hmm. you want to kill that elk every year. You want a side hustle. You want things dialed at home. You want better fitness and better nutrition. You want to feel better. You want to do better better employer, employee, whatever. Like, so sure. Get over yourself. That's a selfish, selfish thought. Like I'm intimidated. You are being selfish. You need to be selfless. Go there, get served up and find this formula, this recipe for you to live your best life. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just a no brainer where there's an opportunity to learn from other seasoned veteran guys and, and to probably iron sharpens iron. I love being around a group of other elk hunters, men and women that share the same common passion as me. And I leave there reformed, inspired. And uh, it's not just the campers getting, you know, the changes. I, I leave every camp with like walking away going, wow, I learned this. I learned that. And I want to make some changes. I think, I think a lot of people are, like you said, intimidated by making themselves vulnerable. And, um, I don't know when I started hunting, YouTube wasn't really a thing. You couldn't find tips on there. And I, my dad didn't hunt. And so I didn't really have like a mentor. I just winged it, you know, and certainly 
it was re- a rewarding way to do it, but God, the failure level, uh, the screw ups was infinitely higher than if you would have someone like that you were learning from that's been there and done that. Uh, first archery elk hunt I ever did solo seven days in New Mexico. I didn't know what in the hell I was doing. Like, um, no idea. Ended up missing an elk, but I was like, I walked away from that thinking, okay, cool. I somehow, this dude from Texas, a flatlander, called in an elk with a hoochie mama, had that part of the game right, and then shot right under it, you know? But I did it. I called in the elk, and then the next year I killed an elk, and it just, but trial and error is, is a great way. But you, you cert- there's certainly a curve there. Like, there's, way, there's shortcuts if you can learn from other people. And I think, you know, in my hunting career especially, I would have benefited more from from something like from uh, elk shape. Well, or like, oh, if there was one for duck hunters, you know, did learn that. Um, the, you know, a good resource for me, and this was back when hunting forums were really popular, and there's still some out there like rock slide and stuff. When it was duck hunting, I consumed a lot of information on just a chat forum. Like, you could ask questions. People weren't rude to you, you know, generally speaking. Uh, man, I read every Ducks Unlimited magazine cover to cover, Delta Waterfowl, same thing. Anything I could find about duck hunting, I was consuming it. But, yeah, we didn't have uh, an elk shape for duck hunters back then. If you're interested in, in elk hunting and haven't done it, this would be a way to uh, skip a few steps. Well, my learning curve sucked. Uh, I shot an elk five minutes into my first ever rifle elk hunt, killed a five-by-five five bull. Hmm. And then, like I told you, I went and bought a bow the next year. That was 2002. 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, no elk killed. And we're talking about a kid in his early 20s who had the entire month off with a little bit of college mixed in there, but talked to my professors ahead of time, told my employer, like I sold out. I hunted a lot for five years straight, never killed an elk with my bow. It wasn't until 2006. There wasn't a lot of resources. I didn't have a mentor. I made every mistake that known to elk hunting man. And yeah, it is. I'm surprised I didn't quit because I literally, I had zero success, but to me, every year when I got home, I was so pissed off. I was just like, so I think the word is anger. I was Mm. angry at myself for failing. I had all the time and resources to do it. And I just didn't know what, so I just would, Doubled down each year. I'm going to shoot more arrows. I'm going to work out harder. I'm going to do more scouting trips. I'm going to read more books, watch more tapes, more. Yeah. Tapes, kids, things like that. Because the, the, when I suck at something, it drives me more. And so it just kept building and building. And so I am thankful for the five years that it took me to kill my first bull with a bow, but that's what Oak Shape's been created is to help mitigate. <laughs> I don't want you to go through that. I can shorten. I can a lot take, of people will quit if it takes them five years. I'm going to lower that learning curve. I'm going to make sure you don't, yeah. you have the information. Hopefully, like you said, skip a few steps. You're still going to have to earn it, uh, but it's going to be, yeah, a good place to start. So, and I want more people to get into elk hunting. I'm not afraid to have more elk hunters because yeah. we need them quite honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I, I was lucky that I killed an elk on that second trip. Um, and I think I went on a streak of three elk in four years and now I've gone three seasons without killing, you know, there's ebbs and flows. Luckily I've had that success. And so I know I can do it and I'll, you know, I'm not going to, it's like, I'm quitting. I'm more I, I'm anger, you know, 
uh, I'm pissed about those last three seasons. The, there's no elk meat in the freezer, Dan. Dude. It's not a good thing. Yeah, there, there's your fuel. And man, you it's pieces to a puzzle. And you have this puzzle almost like, you'll never have it completed, but you can definitely see what it's going to be. And it's just a matter of time now. And uh, there's a few things. I feel things like I know can, what the elk are going to do. At this that's point. everything. That's everything. Yeah. So elk are so predictable. Off, yeah. People don't understand the elk, no matter what state you hunt them at, they're going to do elk things. Yeah. And as, and that's part of the learning curve is understanding elk behavior so that you can predict what they're going to do before they do it and make moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The name mm-hmm. of the game. Yeah. Um, okay. So you started elk shape. What you said 10 years ago? When did you start it? um sorry man i don't know uh so i started trainedahunt.com with a buddy in 2010 uh-huh. that went live and then uh, in 2013 i walked away from train to hunt and started elk shape and okay. made it more specific to elk hunting so 2013 is when we started elk shape and where will you be in texas this uh in 2022 we're actually going to um stonewall so we're going to the iron game ranch mm-hmm. and we're one of the owners of Numa has this ranch for us to utilize. And it's like, okay, I'm going to warn it. Well, if you're new to Texas, like I was, when I toured the ranch, I had to walk past like freaking zebras and Cape Buffalo and oh yeah, 200 inch whitetail and 350 inch tagged elk. So it is at a game ranch. We're not hunting, but the facilities, the amenities unreal. And it's a three day camp Friday, Saturday and Sunday in Stonewall, Texas. And it's in April. It's going to be awesome. And how do people sign up for that? Go to elkshape.com. You can click on the link to the, the camps and learn more. Okay. And Let's hustle up. Texas is like halfway sold out already. So it will sell out. Okay. And what is the cost? Uh, till the end of the year, it's $7.99 for three days. And I'm bringing Joel Turner, who is going to change your life specifically on the high pressure shooting. He's a shot coach. He's a mental archery coach. He's the greatest coach. He's my coach. Uh, Dirk Durham from Phelps Game Calls is going to be there to teach how to make elk vocalizations with diaphragms and bugle tips, mm-hmm. which is good for everybody. Uh, Mark Libese is coming down to do the e-scouting. Hands-free so is a huge aspect of, of, for me, like what's made me a little bit better elk hunter. Like, okay, I, now my hands are not occupied with a call. So, I didn't even think of that, but you're same right. Same like, thing with turkeys, though, too. Yeah. You can't have calls in your hand. Like, your archery, it's an archery elk hunting camp. Yeah. It's not a rifle. Yeah. Um, you could be a rifle elk hunter and go to it, but I want you to bring your bow. I want you to be exposed to Joel Turner. Mm-hmm. We're going to provide the elk calls. Just show up. Dirk's going to teach you how to call. Uh, the e-scouting for Texas guys is probably the most important part. So, live a say is going to come in and teach you how to create a hunt plan through e-scouting exclusively, how to identify what areas are going to hold elk on Google Earth, on Gaia, on OnX, Basemap, whatever platform you like. Uh, that'll probably be one of the most important parts. Uh, we actually bring in uh, Jared Lyle of Huntinful. Mm-hmm. So he's going to help you create a hunt portfolio plan, like your short, mid, and long-term plans, so you can draw some good elk tags over time. You can pick up the right over-the-counter tags. So they just, that you don't take years off from elk hunting, like you're doing, Cable. Like, mm-hmm. it's just something you do now every year. Uh, you're not going to get better by not elk hunting. So right. we bring hunting full in. I think they do a great job. 
we bring in a financial, you know, Bynum. Yeah. He comes in there and talks about how to create a hunt budget. So you're not going into debt. Um, so the, the camp's a little expensive, but if you think about my cost to rent facilities and to fly all these subject matter experts, pay them for their time to be there. Uh, like I said, I ain't making money on these. I, I do this out of like, this is the one thing that I get the most out of is the live coaching and helping people. Uh-huh. Awesome. Awesome. So that's in April. Okay. And where can folks find that? Just, is it elkshape.com? Yep. Okay. Perfect. So Arizona is a place that intrigues me. It, it intrigues every elk hunter just because of the massive bulls, but there's a catch there when it comes to chasing them during the rut, you're going to have to apply for 20 years. I did it for two years, Dan. I quit applying in Arizona because every time you have to buy the license, $350, whatever ungodly amount of money that is. I was like, after 20 years, I could have just paid for a guided elk hunt and shot a monster bull. And so I just quit. I'm still buying points in Wyoming, Montana, um, Utah, um, Colorado, basically anywhere where you can buy preference points. I'm trying to build them there, but I quit on Arizona. There's a way to still hunt Arizona with a bow. And I was intrigued to learn that when you mentioned that um, when we were in camp together. So talk a little bit about that experience. Okay, so yeah, Arizona, uh, very special elk hunting destination, very well managed, stingy. They're stingy. They're mm-hmm. really stingy with their elk. They got a good thing going and they know it. They don't have landowner, no E plus tag programs like New Mexico. You own this many acres. Here's some elk tags. Do whatever you want with them. No, it's straight up through the, you know, the fishing game of Arizona. And they do a bang up job of managing the allocation to where, you know, if you're not a resident, odds are very low of you drawing a tag. And it is kind of a once in a lifetime draw. They got an archery elk tag in September. I think it's maybe 12 days. Uh, I personally will never experience that. I don't have the patience to wait 20 years, like you said, and it is expensive. Uh, But if you were, if you have some points, I would say keep putting in because when you do go, it'll be the greatest elk hunt of your life. It'll probably be like taking candy from a baby. The bulls are screaming. There's so many bulls two cows that the competition's fierce and there's literally rubs on every national forest road cable. Like you're driving down the road and you're like, okay, a bull rubbed right there. He tore that tree. Like what are these elk doing like, during the <laughs> rut? Yes. There's that, there's that good of rut competition. Mm-hmm. So then the rifle tag even harder to draw. It opens in freaking September, dude. The, their rifle tag is like third week in September or something like that. Yeah, you, you're on, that's a trophy elk hunt. You're you're gonna yeah. pass on bulls, um, and then from there they have, I think they have a muzzleloader and they have a, a a late season archery hunt, which is what I just went on, and then they have a late season rifle that follows the archery, and so I personally have hunted Arizona a few times doing the late season archery elk tag. Now I will tell people right now, if you think you're going to do what I do and burn your points for that, please let me warn you on what you're signing up for. I've added the total number of days that I've hunted Arizona. It's 24 out of 24 days. I've had two shot opportunities in 24 days of elk hunting. Um, I've made good on both. But if that's a lot of time, stocks blown, 
foiled because of the difficult terrain that these elk live in, first and foremost. They're in canyons, they have lots of cover, and they have lots of underbrush, oak brush, manzanita, everything pokey and prickly that, I mean, your clothes are going to get destroyed. I mean, it's really hard to move in close to these elk. I would is say there snow on the ground? There, there has been. There wasn't this year, but there has been. Uh-huh. But it's, it, it does get cold at night. It can get hot. It can get cool. It's just Arizona mountains. But these elk have it made because these canyons, the wind swirls, like almost you can bank on the wind swirling and foiling your hunt. And if that doesn't happen, you can almost bank on them hearing the crunch, crunch, crunch of you trying to get through oak brush. Um, so it's very much a difficult interception game with a bow. Mm-hmm. I would say if you have any points like less than 10 I, and, and you're not, and you're like, I'm not going to save a holdout for the archery or that uh, rifle September tag, you should try to get that late season rifle tag, even if you're a bow hunter, because I think that would probably be one of the most fun, rewarding, challenging trophy elk hunts. Like you're going to see bulls. You're going to have shots. Go find the bull that tickles your fancy. Mm-hmm. And it starts at the end of November. It's not a very long season. You'd want to get down there a few days prior, scout it out and be ready to go opening day. But to me, that's the tag to get. If you're in that tier of, I don't want to wait 20 years. Okay. Well, maybe you'll have to wait 10 but do that late season rifle tag. The late season archery that I just did, it's it's not for, for the faint of heart. The odds are extremely low that you'll even get a shot. How many points did you have to burn to get that tag? I burned six. Okay. Yep. Okay. So are yep. you going to start building those points back up to do that hunt again? Well, not if I talk about it on podcasts. I'll never <laughs> draw again. But uh, uh, no, I, I try to keep it real with people and just like, hey, man, you can go down there. You're going to see some bulls, but it, I don't know if you're going to get opportunity. Uh, yeah. I, I would, that's why I say do the rifle late season. Cause it's just right after the archery and you're going to, you're going to kill a nice bull, but um, I'll try to draw it. Um, I probably won't draw it for another 10 years mm-hmm. uh, if I do. And it'll be just as hard as the last time I was there and harder. It's, You'll be 10 years older. Oh yeah. 10 years smarter. Maybe. I, I told my wife my 40s are going to be my, my sexiest uh, decade yet. So, yeah. Say what? How, yeah. oh, give yeah. me the formula. <laughs> well, it's uh, less IPAs and, and more runs around the, uh, the neighborhood. I'll tell Damn. you that. But yeah, no, I, I like, so I like fitness and I always crank it up, you know, before an elk hunt as far as the cardio goes, but I always, I like to lift. I mean, that's like my passion. I just, I really enjoy that component. And I like playing basketball. I still play in a men's over 30 soccer league every Monday night. Um, so I like staying active. It's not a, you're a shit brick a, house cable. When I saw you for the first time, I was like, Oh, that's not what I was expecting. You're a shit brick house, man. You look like you <laughs> move some weights. I, I enjoy it. And it's, uh, the reason why I, I kind of fell in love with, with lifting over the last five years, they have free childcare at the gym. So, yeah, it's like I pick them up from school. We, uh, we come home, they have a snack, and it's like, all right, let's go. Daddy's got to get his, his workout in, and there's people that actually will watch you for free. And, uh, yeah, no, it's – I never really fancied myself as a, as a guy that liked to lift, but it's like it's a part of my chi, I guess. I'll be honest, Dan, if I don't do some kind of physical activity every day, I don't feel good about myself. I'm like, you just wasted that day, you fat slob. 
you know, I'm not skinny. I definitely have a, a little bit of a dad gut here from the beers. And uh, I like a lot. I like tacos. But I if like I tacos. didn't do that physical activity, I would be like a beached whale. So, um, but I could, I think from like an elk shape experience, uh, if I could drop like 15 pounds, I would be really cooking then. So I'm sure you could help me out with that. Yeah. And I would make it up. I would make it happen in a way where you didn't drop 15 pounds in a month. I would love to see you like do it pretty slow, pretty steady, pretty annoyingly slow. Cause that shit will last. If you can do, you know, the slower, the results, the better I tell athletes and, mm-hmm. and truly like to sustain it and, and to get to a spot where you can have an IPA, not all the time, but like you're at a kid's birthday party and there's ice cream and cake. And you want to have that, that you don't torture yourself for having that. You jump right back on the bandwagon and maybe swap out a few poor choices that you've been doing with some better choices over time. Get your wife on board or what, whoever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of guys have goals or they just have sabotage with their significant other. They're not on the same page. Uh, you put ice cream in my freezer every night and I'm going to like, somehow end up at the freezer with ice cream every <laughs> night. Like I'm just, I'm normal. Like everybody else, you just got to have like, get on the same program, whatever, but no, man, you, you are a stacked dude. You're really well built. I could see um, the forties being the best years. I hope to, to follow suit. I just turned 40. It's weird. Um, I saw something on sports center uh, Instagram. Do you remember the fight between like in Detroit in the basketball era? When, oh yeah. Like, Ron Artest. Yeah. Yes. And Pistons. Yes. yes. 17 years ago. I'm yeah. like, I remember. I remember where I, I was at a bar playing pool with like some of my best buddies. I remember exactly where I was. That's 17 years ago, Cable. Yeah. What the heck? I am old. That yeah. wasn't five years ago. That was 17 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Holy no. smokes. We're old. That's we are. We are for sure. Um, yeah, man. It's. It's, I think the kids help keep you young though. For me, um, for sure. Being a dad has been the most, I think the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Uh, And raising my kids in that environment is the thing like, yeah, dad wants to kill. He likes hunting, but I see the beginning of that curve where it's like, okay, dad's going to get less opportunities because he's going to let the kids have those opportunities. And, and maybe that's why I haven't killed the big buck because more times than not, there's been at least one kid, sometimes three kids in the blind with me. Eh, I'm not saying that they're the most quiet group, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Usually my son is telling my the twin girls, he's like, no, shut up, be quiet. Don't make so much noise. Why are you banging your chair around? You know, they're like, he's like trying to keep them on the straight and narrow. Uh, and, and then I'm looking at him like, okay, like you're really that quiet either. But. Uh, <laughs> Oh, it'll happen though. It's, uh, it's cool to hunt one deer or two deer, like specifically. And, uh, I have that history and, uh, you know, that's the thing about having a lease too, is like, you know, those are your guys's deer. Uh, it's a team effort. Uh, it's not easy. It's not like just, Oh, I'll shoot anything. If it's Brown, it's down. It's like, no, one of the guys shot one yesterday. It was a wide seven point that I, yeah. I had passed on. I mean, I was so glad he shot it because that's just one less person hunting the deer I want to shoot. <laughs> Selfishly, I you know, feel like, that. I was like, Dan, really nice buck. Now you're out of the game for old freaky. <laughs> Get the H out. You're out, bro. Yeah. 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 Uh, but no, we, we, you know, we share pictures and you, we, we're all trying to help each other. Whoever gets the, 
one of those two giant bucks, I'll be happy for them. Happier for myself if it's me, but I'll still be happy for them. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I think that's pretty much all I want to cover on our, our first visit. I'm sure we'll do another one. You've got a ton of backcountry experience stuff that uh, and stories that you know, we, I could pick your brain for unlimited amount of time, but we'll wrap it up here. Uh, the website again is elkshape.com. Um, YouTube, same. And obviously Instagram, elkshape. Are they censoring you yet on, on Instagram? Uh, I don't think so yet, but I do think that my day is coming. Yeah. Um, I'm not as like outspoken about certain things that maybe you are. Um, oh, I, politics. Yeah. Po- vaccines, I, I try to, all that I try to avoid politics and stuff, yeah. but it doesn't mean I don't have strong opinions. Yeah. Um, oh, that's but- one of the reasons why I liked you so much when I met you is I, there is a sect of Western hunters. That's like BHA, BHA till I die. Like, okay. So you guys all vote for Biden right? He <laughs> says he wants to take our guns away, right? He actually says that. What funds wildlife conservation? By and large, a lot of it comes from Pittman-Robertson dollars. What funds the Pittman-Robertson Fund or Act of 1937? Ammunition sales, right? So how... Yeah. And every state wildlife agency is benefiting from those dollars, Dan. Oh, big How time. are people telling me that they need to vote for a guy who essentially wants to take away the biggest fundamental number one right that we have but number two the biggest conservation funding method that exists he wants to put a huge dent in those monies like that just doesn't jive with me so when you when you were like yeah i'm not really part of that 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 western sect i was like yeah this is a guy i think uh i'm gonna enjoy hanging out with i haven't met those guys that like i personally haven't in my circle i just don't run into any like hipster western uh, man bun, um, micro brew drinking, like all those things that get made fun of. I, I haven't met those guys. Uh, I meet the, the blue collar diehard people that just want, they like freedom. They don't like big government, uh, and they want to raise their family. Right. And they don't want to be told what to do because this is America. Uh, so if that gets me shadow banned on Instagram, so be it. There's other platforms. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop. That's why I like podcast cable. I yeah. like that people can digest this media right now. Maybe they do it on their drive or their commute, but they can consume it while they're doing other things. Mm-hmm. If we say something that really resonates, they can press pause and write something down or look something up. Podcasts are here to stay. I don't know if IG is it, yeah. you know, big tech and all that stuff. Like, who can you, can you trust the media? What is the media? We're the media, more podcasting, more keeping it real. It'll work out. Yeah. It'll work out over time. Well, I'm not going to change. So if I go away on Instagram, so be it. Like you said, it is what it is. Yep. And I've, and I, and Dan, I've lost sponsors for that mindset, but I've gotten sponsors like, like Numa, like that switch was just like, I was talking to the man, the owner, and he was in camp with us. And I said, this is where I'm coming from with a previous relationship. What are your thoughts on these things? Cable, I've been following your, what you've been doing for years. You do you, we're, we'll support it. I was like, well, this feels like home to me. And we haven't even talked about the gear, but dude, I've been blown away. And Numa has, uh, tons of great stuff already out and more stuff coming out that, um, 
I think I think they're really going to take the industry by the balls. I know they are. Uh, I was an early adopter last year and kind of put myself, to be honest, like I felt like I was putting myself out there a little bit. You know, I was a guy who wore Sika since 2007, mm-hmm. nothing else. And to go from that to Numa was a big step for me. And it's been an amazing decision to watch how much they support me for being me and doing what I do. And for them to say that we'll support you, Cable, just do you. And guys listening, if you want to get in the hunting industry, grab a number. We know that our jobs are coveted. We know people want to get in. And and there's guys that will do more for less just to get in. I, I completely understand that. But from a guy who's in the industry, you're in the industry, like, look, we want to do us. We don't want a novel of deliverables. I mean, if you want me to read an ad on a podcast, that's fine. I can read your ad, mm-hmm. but don't, I need you to post this picture, this picture and this picture on Instagram four or five times with this hashtag and tag us. And will you put this in your, like, I don't feel like I signed up to be an infomercial, at least on my social media. Right. If I can just utilize your gear, people notice. People notice shit that I would never guess them to. And so Numa has allowed me to do me. That has been so big for me. What what were you wearing? If you don't want to say that's fine, but I don't know. What what oh, were you using before first Numa? Light. And First Light make great gear. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they I have, do. You know, I don't have anything bad to say about first light it was just uh numa was a better fit for me philosophically so i respect that yeah and i think you're i think people respect you cable because you're real and if you're looking to get in the industry here's your formula mm-hmm. do you be authentic don't fake stuff hustle hard that's what cable's done how long have you had your podcast uh just had six or 600th episode so 12 over 12 years 12 years. I'm, this, yeah. I'm on year four, finishing up year four. I'm a baby podcaster compared to you. You're an OG doing OG. you. And so you're <laughs> well, an original. To gangster. be fair, dude, to be fair, I didn't become a pod. I, I got a degree in radio, TV and film, and I wanted to do radio. And podcasting was just a byproduct of putting out a weekly outdoor show on the radio. So, um, but, it, you know, it's been a wonderful thing. And there was a time where I was like, oh, no. Uh, you know, I went to school for this and now every Tom, Dick or Harry can have their own podcast. Is it going to make life harder for me? Like fi- business wise, financially. And uh, the beauty of it is, no, it's been it's been the exact opposite because people were already listening. And, and so with the increased popularity of podcasts then more people were just listening to mine. So it, uh, I'm glad there's so much information I like to listen to um, that you couldn't get. 10 years ago because podcasts didn't exist. So, um, yeah, podcasting is here to stay. And like you said, these free form conversations, this is where people can get real insight, real thoughts. It's not You can't censor a podcast. Not yet anyway. So, um, I encourage people to check yours out and I certainly look forward to our next time in camp and the next time we, uh, we hook up and, and just, uh, shoot the breeze on all things hunting and, it's been a it's been a fun visit. Well, keep your calendar open April eighth through the tenth. You're coming to Elk Shape Camp, and I can't wait to hang out with you. We'll do an iron game. Should be awesome, man. Maybe extend your stay, and uh, that's right during our spring turkey season. So maybe we can work something out on that front too. 
Well, we're actually out, man. We're taking somebody turkey hunting from the pre-sale the oh. day before and hopefully they nice. smack it. And I'm coming down a couple of days early. So we need to talk because yeah, I am absolutely. coming down and we've got some hunts <laughs> planned. So it'll be good. Nice. All right, buddy. Well, hey, Godspeed. Likewise. So there he goes. Our good friend, but relatively new friend. You know, I love this. I love this industry and this community for that reason. I can already call Dan my good friend, right? Uh, I've only spent a couple of days in camp with him. Salt of the Earth, dude. Y'all check out Elk Shape. Uh, give his podcast a listen. And I'm definitely going to be going to uh, the camp at the Iron Gate in April. So hopefully some of y'all will sign up for that as well. That segment of the show brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. If you haven't started using Big and J, I don't know what you're waiting for. My kids love putting it out, and that's because it brings in bucks. Like, it just does. That's a fact. And it doesn't matter... If I'm in Montag County, Clay County, Collin County, well, those are all North Texas. I haven't tried it in South Texas, but I know it works there too based off of the images and videos you guys and gals send in. Check out the BB Squared. That's my favorite, but they've got an entire lineup of whitetail attractants at BigandJ.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Thanks again to Dan. Thanks to all of our sponsors. For making this show possible, I wouldn't be here without their support, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, the listeners. So from the bottom of my heart, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Everything's going to be all right, I know. It's the coldest time of winter. And I shiver when I see the falling snow.